thecooperageproject.org. And from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. Good evening and welcome to the local edition on Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Jason Toll. We have a big show for you tonight because it was a big news day in Albany. Governor Kathy Hochul giving her first state of the state address after being fully elected to governor. So outlying her vision for the coming year and for her administration, her first full term as an elected governor. We have reactions from local state assemblywoman Aileen Gunther, local state senator Peter Oberacker. That's coming up in the second half of the program, plus the full report from Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt. Housing is one of the issues that the governor hit hard. And in the first half of the program, we're going to talk about other aspects of housing as they impact us here in the Radio Catskill listening area. Our first guest is live on the phone right now. Brady Huggett is a writer and journalist who grew up in Maine, now lives in New York. Brady wrote a three-part series for the Sullivan County Democrat exploring the effects of the housing boom in Sullivan County in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Brady is on the phone with us now to tell us more. Welcome to the show, Brady. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming, and thanks for the, the work that you did looking at this story. You know, I really noticed... Uh, anecdotally, it just seemed like, wow, there's, there's a lot more people around. I think even before the pandemic, there was, there was more people here. The, I grew up in this area is always a very seasonal area and it felt like the seasons were the, the tour season was moving more into the shoulder seasons every year. Mm-hmm. But after the pandemic, it just seems like there's people around all year round. And you wrote this series where you talk about, you put some numbers on it. There's been a 33% increase in the numbers of homes that closed in 2021 when compared to pre-pandemic numbers. So you talked about prices have skyrocketed. And I guess before we really get into the effects uh, that this had on the local economy, can we talk about um, uh, your talk about what got you interested in looking at this issue, how you came to this story? Oh, well, that okay. Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's sort of what you just mentioned is that you could physically see it. I mean, if you're walking around the Sullivan County or anywhere in the Catskills, you could see the sort of growth and and the extra people. And, and um, I think partially what made me interested in it is is that I, I did grow up in, in Maine. I grew up in a really rural part of the state of Maine, and Maine has a lot of these issues. You'll have a lot of people coming up from Massachusetts and other parts of New England in the summer, you know, tourists to, to visit Maine's coast and, and uh, to ski in the winter. And and that interaction between the people who live there all year long, you know, those sort of people in the rural areas, and the people who come in to vacation and um and spend their weekends. And, and it's usually a class issue. There's a lot more money coming up from the tourists. And I think I was kind of keenly aware of that. And I just began to feel the same things in in the Catskills. Um, as you mentioned, it was sort of already happening before the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, and that there's a huge exodus of New Yorkers who moved into Sullivan County, you could really feel it. And I think that's when I started to think about it. So you started thinking about it, and you thought to yourself, well, let, let me actually look into it and see what's actually going on? Yeah. I mean, I started, first off, I just started kind of asking people when I uh, would talk to them about what they'd seen and what they felt. And then I said, well, okay, maybe there's some data that I can dig out. You know, you mentioned this one, you mentioned earlier that there were more people. And yeah, I I think from the 2010 to the 2020 um, census, there were about 1,100 extra people had had moved into Sullivan County in that 10-year period. And that just about that same amount moved in just in the first year of the pandemic. So yeah, it was a huge, huge spurt in growth in a short, short span of time. 
Right. So, um, so in the first article, it was a series of three articles. The first article you talked about the, this growth and, uh, you, you talked to a real, uh, a long time real estate broker and you ended the article with quote, the fast growth, sheer numbers of new residents and relative wealth they have brought into the area have created new tensions end quote. So what, what tensions, uh, did you discover? Yeah. So the, mostly this was about, um, uh, one, one person told me this interesting thing, and this did not make the article uh, because they didn't want to be quoted, but they, they sort of had said, listen, when, when New Yorkers, for instance, go places, let's say they go into the Catskills, they often want to make their new place feel like New York City. And, and that brings sort of like, well, we want better coffee. You know, why can't there be more sidewalks? Um, and that sometimes bumps up against what the local people want. The generational families have been there forever. And, and that was sort of playing out on school boards and in business associations and also in the businesses that were being um, created and opened during the pandemic. I mean, I, you can see in some of these smaller river towns that some of the new businesses, uh, the prices are higher than what um, you would expect. And then they seem to be generally catering to the tourists who are there on the weekends and in the summer. I think those are some of the new tensions. If you have grown up in an area for most of your life and suddenly your, your main street, your main street town does not feel like it's really catering to you, uh, you, you, you begin to feel a little... Um, pushed around and pushed out as one person told me uh, on one hand i can i can really relate to this because again i grew up in this area so you know i i this is very familiar it's a very familiar story to me but that aspect yeah. of it how familiar it is actually I, I guess surprises me a little bit that that some people are having this as a fresh reaction because i'm I'm old enough that I can remember when, when people were complaining, you know, people always name, you know, they come up with names, the locals, or the visitors come up with names for the locals, the locals come up with names for the visitors. And back then, right. people were complaining about yuppies. I mean, that's the 80s. Yeah. That's how long ago that was. So in, in some ways, I'm like, well, this is the same story. But I guess part of it, too, is... Uh, it, it highlights that how like the there's this regional growth, but it also it differs from town to town. Were were you noticing that at all? Are you digging into how it's working in different villages and hamlets and such? Well, I mean, I couldn't go everywhere, so I tried to do what I could. But I, I think you know what you just mentioned is that this is not a new problem. Uh, I, I was talking to John Conway about this. He's a historian for Sullivan County, and he mentioned that you know this this of course happened after nine eleven. There was a huge. Uh, outflux of people yes. from the city who wanted to come into the area. Yeah, you probably remember that, right? Yeah. But I, I think I think in this case, um, it was just so accelerated. It was so accelerated because it was really happening in the first year when this massive amount of people came in. And that's where it's it's not change per se. It's it's the pace of it. I think that's what people were really feeling and feeling maybe a little alarmed at how quickly it was all happening. It's one thing if there's if there's how people feel. And that's one thing. And then there's actual impacts on people's lives. And I guess what I'm what I'm gearing up to ask you about is uh, on the question of gentrification. You know, that to me usually speaks more to the question of are are people being priced out? You know, less people having friction with people that are different than them. I, that I can see. But uh, is yeah. this impacting people's ability to live where they grew up? Yeah, I mean, I uh, so I don't have any hard data on that, but yes, I mean, anecdotally, yes. Uh, um, I had somebody tell me that they said they had grown up in the area too, and they said, um, you know, it's great if you're selling your home now because there's a huge increase in prices, and then they thought you can sell, and, and if you've been waiting to do that, now is the time. But he said, you know, I have a 19-year-old son, and uh, he's going to want to buy a house pretty soon, and he's not going to be able to because the prices have jumped so much. Now, they may, they may come down in five or ten years. Who, who knows? But it's that sort of thing where – if you know the the housing stock was eaten up pretty quickly 
And that does leave people with little options if they're younger, for instance, maybe just getting out of high school or they've done some college and then they want to buy. And also this does affect the rental market. The rental market's pretty tight. Um, you know, what if you can't afford to buy and you want to rent and, and, and rental prices are going up? It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's more than just tension. That's actually having an impact on people's ability to, to start their lives and start a, you know, buying a home is one way to sort of a, accrue wealth as you age. And, and if people can't do that at a young age, it, it, uh, it might hurt their futures. And mentioning the, the impact on the rental market, that's, then we start to get into the issue that we're talking about at the state level, uh, because that's really what's impacting people in the New York City metropolitan area and then the lower Hudson Valley. The One of the biggest news stories of last year that I kept citing was headlines coming out of Kingston, New York, say Kingston, New York was the first upstate place outside of Westchester County to uh, enact new um, affordable housing regulations to, to help people with this this issue of rent. It's part of what the governor was talking about uh, earlier today, and I'm not asking you to weigh in on that. I'm just pointing this out for the listener that these are things that we have been talking about uh, on this program. In you know the last few minutes here, I guess you you end you end your last article with a quote that says, "quote Development has to happen. It just has to happen sustainably." End quote. And and I guess what you're looking at there is this notion of finding some kind of balance between these two things. Like the area, the area won't survive if there isn't if there aren't new people and there isn't new business. Yeah. And yet, you know, you don't want to have those negative knock-on effects. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I should say, I, those are not my words. That was somebody in the story who was quoted as saying that it has to happen sustainably. But, you know, it, the articles do point out there, there are positives, right? I mean, the tax base has, has increased with all these new people coming in. And it is nice to see uh, old buildings be re- renovated and revitalized. And, and maybe some of the um, the, the Main Street uh, storefronts that were empty have businesses in them again. I think there are lots of positives, of course. But that idea is like, if if the fear is this this is quoted um i quoted someone in the article about this the fear is that it people love the catskills because they're bucolic right they love them because the the river is gorgeous and clean the mountains are beautiful and if there is enough development to start damaging that well that that is going to make people unhappy and the goal is to sort of allow that change to happen to allow that um that growth to happen, but do it in a way that is maybe a little more measured than what happened in the past two years during the pandemic. I think that's the concern, and that's what people are looking at. Um, you know, time will tell. I don't know. Maybe Kathy Hochul has some ideas on that, too. Well, actually, some of the ideas that she was laying out today uh, could well lead to um, uh, to shaking up that dynamic because part of what she was saying is that local communities have too many barriers to uh, growth in terms of housing. Um, and, and we got to look at ways to remove those barriers. So zoning and zoning and things like that, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. which I could see that shaking up people and that might even change up people on either side of like what uh, you're pointing out. It can sometimes be a class or political divide. It it could uh, make for strange bread bedfellows in this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that too. I mean, there there is a little bit of that. Uh, I don't think that's unique to the Casco. I think you can see that playing out all over the country, of course, but yeah. But yes, I got a sense of that too. There's some issue of uh, generally some of the people who are coming in tend to be wealthier, maybe younger and leaning left. And some of the people who have been here for generations might be a little bit older and and leaning right. And that has created some tensions too. But uh, honestly, I didn't find as much of that as I thought when I started asking around. Well, that's good. It didn't seem to be the driving thing. Yeah. yeah. That's good to point out as well. I wish we had more time to talk about this. We're going to have to go now. I guess the last quick question I've got for you is, do you think you might be uh, looking into these issues anymore in the future in our area? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I certainly, uh, you know, I enjoyed writing the articles, number one, but it's always good to get out and talk to people and see what they're thinking. And um, if I get another idea, I'll certainly pitch it to the, the Democrat. Okay, great. I look forward to hopefully talking to you about it again in the future. Thank you so much for talking to us. Brady Huggett. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, when we come back, we have more for you, including reactions to Governor Hochul's State of the State Address. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Dr. King's fight for voting rights 60 years ago is a battle that still hasn't been won. Who votes, where, and how are questions as important now as they were then. Next time on 1A, special holiday highlights from a live event recorded here in Washington, D.C. A salute to MLK, the struggle for democracy and the vote. 6 p.m. Monday, Martin Luther King Day, part of 17 hours of special MLK Day programs on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition, keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dole, and uh, earlier this afternoon, New York Governor Kathy Hochul delivered her first state of the state message as an elected governor. And we have reactions from local lawmakers, Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther and State Senator Peter Oberacker spoke to Patricio Rabio earlier today. We have their reactions coming right up. First, I want to hear Karen DeWitt's full report on this. Governor Hochul outlined an ambitious housing program and expansion of mental health services, along with new public safety measures, including more changes to the state's controversial bail reform laws. New York State Public Radio senior Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt has more. Hochul, quoting Eleanor Roosevelt and Frances Perkins, FDR's Secretary of Labor, gave her speech in a full New York State Assembly chamber, reviving a tradition not used in over a decade. Thank you. Hochul held the speech in the chamber last year after she replaced former Governor Andrew Cuomo, who resigned in disgrace, but it was virtually empty due to COVID-related restrictions. Hochul says while New York was once the epicenter of the pandemic, it now seems finally to be lessening. But it has left the state with many challenges. After three very, very difficult and painful, tragic years, I'm proud to stand here and say that the state of our state is strong, but we have work to do. The governor outlined a plan called the New York Housing Compact to oversee the building of 800,000 new housing units over the next 10 years. She says housing construction in New York has not kept up with job creation over the past decade. Every locality in the state under the plan would be assigned a new home creation target. Today I say no more delay. Housing is a human right. If localities don't meet their targets, the state would step in and impose an expedited approval process. It would include shortcuts for environmental permits to developers who want to build in those areas. The governor says a key component of the plan, though, is reviving a tax break given to real estate developers who include affordable housing in their projects, known as 421A. 
Hochul also told lawmakers that public safety remains her number one priority. The state's crime rate was a major issue in the 2022 race for governor, which Hochul won by the narrowest margin in a generation. Her opponent successfully made an issue of the state's higher crime rate and the recent 2019 bail reform laws, which ended most forms of cash bail. Hochul is proposing more changes to the bail reform laws, which have already been altered twice. She'd make it easier for judges to set bail for more serious crimes. She says she still stands by the principles behind the original law, though. That the bail reform law, as written, leaves room for improvement. Hochul also announced a $1 billion expansion of mental health services, saying it will be the biggest change since the deinstitutionalization of the state's psychiatric hospitals in the 1970s. She also said she'll make child care more accessible and affordable, and she earned a standing ovation when she proposed raising the state's minimum wage. I'm proposing a plan to peg the minimum wage to inflation. If cost goes up, costs go up, so will wages. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty says he was pleased to hear Hochul address the drivers of crime instead of waiting until the moment that someone is arrested, and he said he likes the governor's housing and mental health plans. The speaker says he's not yet examined Hochul's proposal to amend the bail reform laws. And Hasty says he also backs the idea to increase minimum pay for New Yorkers. The fact that you want to really get out of this trying to fix the minimum wage every couple of years. I think that's a it's a it's a it's a solid approach. There are tensions though between the governor and Senate Democrats over her nominee for the next chief judge of New York State. Fourteen of them say they'll vote against Hochul's choice of Hector LaSalle, saying some of his opinions are too conservative. Hochul says she's not backing down. Senate leader Andrea Stewart Cousins did not comment after the speech. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Okay, thank you to Karen DeWitt and New York State Public Radio for that report. Now, as I said earlier today, Patricio Rabio spoke to both Aileen Gunther and Peter Oberacker to get their reactions. Let's go to Patricio now. Governor Hochul laid out several initiatives that touched on the housing crisis, mental health, and crime to combating climate change and making childcare more affordable. Assemblymember Aileen Gunther of the 100th District says she was pleased to see that mental health is being addressed. That the investment in mental health uh, around the state of New York is, you know, a long time coming. You know, housing for people with mental health, long time coming. So I'm very excited about that. Access to care, important. So I'm excited about that. And increasing the number of psychiatric beds. We've been decreasing them over the last 15 to 20 years. And as we know now, there is an extraordinary need to increase the bed so that we can stabilize people on medication and then hook them up with aftercare. Governor Kathy Hochul says she will be submitting a plan to strengthen the mental health care by increasing the capacity for inpatient psychiatric treatment by 1,000 beds and adding 3,500 housing units serving individuals with mental illness and investing more than $1 billion to help the needs of the state. Aileen, you have campaigned on the needs for the changes to be made to the bail reform law, the governor said changes are needed. What are your thoughts on what she had to say? She did make comments, but I don't really, there was comments, but no details. So I'll be excited to see what the details are. And I think that a lot of people have really um, recognized the need for some, some changes and to make sure, you know, people are safe and also, you know, do the right thing. So she said she was going to do it, but didn't really explain about affordable housing and the large investment 
into affordable housing, which I think is so, so important to so many communities without a place that to call home, it's very hard to work and raise a family. So I think that's great. You know, as we go through it through, I've heard many, many people speak, but at, at any rate, I thought some of it was very uplifting. You know, I'm going to read it, you know, very quickly. I'm going to read it again. And I think that, you know, the, all of the um, no child should go hungry. And I like to know the, the nuts and bolts of how are we going to reach a place where people have affordable homes, they have a job to go to, they have get daycare, which is so necessary for families. So, you know, the devil's in the details. So I'm going to read a little bit more. It was a long speech, but there were so many positive points that she made. And, you know, we have to get to the finish line and make all this happen. The governor is making a big push to create more affordable housing and growth in the state. The governor is proposing every single locality across the state will have a target for building new homes. For upstate New York, the target will be 1%. What are your thoughts on that? I think that if they make the investment, I think that, you know, I, as we know, in our my community and communities around me, people are living in hotels right now. The investment will save money for the state of New York, give people an appropriate lifestyle. I mean, it's so important. And you know what? That investment will be a great payoff. And Aileen, what is your outlook for the new year? Just it's a new year. There's a lot more to do. We've been going through COVID. You know, it's still not over. Um, you know, RSV, COVID. We have a lot of work to do in the New York State Assembly. It's been a tough three years. And hopefully we can turn that trajectory around and make it a, a positive year. State Senator for the 51st District, Peter Ortmarker, said he saw many positives in the state of the state. So I'm, I was really excited about seeing some of the additional resources uh, that were being mentioned, um, especially in the areas of strengthening, like the mental health and, and drug addiction programs that, uh, you know, being the ranking member on the alcoholism and substance abuse, I'm excited uh, that uh, there was mentions of that. There was a plan uh, potentially put in place uh, that will really help in, in the rural areas, you know, that I represent um, in my 51st Senate district. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, number two, uh, I was kind of uh, encouraged to see that the governor kind of recognized that, uh, you know, the bail reform issue really isn't working. And uh, there needs to be some retooling of that. I've said this numerous times. I've said there's no shame in admitting that something of noble cause uh, really didn't work out the way we had you know, planned it. As a businessman, we do this all the time. So I was really kind of glad to see that uh, this was being, again, talked about. And um, let's see if we can't uh, you know, work together to, to, to make the streets safer, without a doubt. Uh, third thing that I, that, I, that I take away from this is that the message to me, the state of the state message to me, it really came, kind of came up a little bit short on, on areas that I was, again, looking for. Pro-growth. You know, some tax relief policies, uh, which I, I think are just vital for us to move forward. Uh, being a businessman, uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, you know, meat, if you will, on, on some small business. And, and, and really, more, most importantly, our farmers, um, who really weren't even really talked about only one time, I believe, in, in the state of the state. So, you know, uh, there are some good things. Uh, we'll kind of wait to see how that how it all flushes out. Uh, 
there were some things I think that, uh, again, fell, fell short of uh, expectation. And one of those things, like you said, is helping out the rural farmers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, with, with all the other economic burdens that are, are uh, and I call them agri- agricultural warriors, to be honest with you, are being put through, uh, I would have liked to have seen us some way, shape or form come up with um, a plan to help relieve, whether it be on the energy side of the equation, you know, whether it be continuing uh, looking at where we can help with, um, you know, home, home heating, fuel, uh, fertilizers, I, I mean, those type of, of things that are direct cost to our, our farmers. I would like to see us again get back into, and, and we are doing this, but I'd like to see a, maybe a, a more laser-focused approach on utilizing our products here agriculturally that are produced in New York, getting back to whole milk in the, in the school system, I think would be uh, a huge boost you know, to our dairy farmers. So, yeah, there, there were some areas I would have liked to have seen, like I said, maybe a little bit more focused on and, and brought up uh, in the state of the state address. She did talk about growth and housing, proposing that every single locality across the state will have a target for building new homes. In upstate New York, that target will be 1%. What are your thoughts on that initiative? I look forward to really fully reviewing that part of, of the governor's proposal. Again, it. Uh, um, a couple things that come out uh, is is where we're gonna where we're gonna find the funds for this uh, part of it. I'm encouraged to hear that because it is an issue. Housing is definitely an issue here in my 51st Senate district. Uh, I would like to find out where we're kind of looking to get these revenue you know streams from and what the actual implementation of this will will be through. I, I, I hope this doesn't turn into kind of a, uh, almost an unfunded mandate, you know, to the local municipalities. That would really, I think, just be detrimental uh, moving forward. So there's, there's, some more, there's some more I need to flesh out on that part of it. But again, uh, I'm encouraged to look at it and, uh, and hopefully it's something that we could institute and, and uh, be successful at. Uh, Senator, anything else that the governor had, did not mention in her address that you would have liked to have heard? Our farmers, to, to be honest with you, which was briefly mentioned, um, I would like to see us again uh, get more. Uh, the devil's in the details, right, is what they say. So I'm really going to look at um, the the implementation, the uh, nuts and bolts of what she had talked about. I, I again excited on some, uh, a little bit, you know, not so excited on others that I didn't hear about. Wondering where the money's going to be coming from, how we're going to. How we're going to uh, maintain it and pay for it? You know, we were talking about a potential, um, you know, surplus. You know, how much of that has already been allocated? Uh, the, the most, in, the most energizing thing that I that that I was really, really energized about was the fact that the mental health, strengthening our mental health, and uh, the scourge that every one of my counties and, and for that matter, I think all of New York is going through with the uh, uh, substance abuse. Uh, disorder issues. So those are the things that I'll, I'll end with. And we'll end it on this positive note moving forward in uh, 2023. Speaking of 2023, what are you working on in the new year? Well, one of the, one of the uh, great things, if you will, is I'm excited about my new district. Uh, I've gotten some newer parts of Ulster County. I've gotten the lower half of Delaware County. So as we were starting to look at, I, I closed down a, um, uh, a satellite office that I had in my old district in, in Cortland County, New York. And uh, I believe we are in the process in the final stages of, of determining a, uh, an office in Sullivan County. So uh, in fact, I, we just had a uh, uh, individual come in that we interviewed today for, for staffing that. So I'm excited about having a point of presence, uh, uh, an office in Sullivan, 
where we can, of course, address constituent issues. We'll be having um, monthly, uh, you know, come in, meet your senator, uh, those, those type of things. So I'm, I'm really excited about that part of it. And uh, uh, I like putting these things together and uh, making them successful. So more information to follow on that. Which towns in Sullivan County are you considering? Well, so we've been looking around. We've looked in Monticello. We've looked in Liberty. We actually also have looked in uh, Calico, believe it or not. It was kind of an interesting um, uh, offer from the mayor and from uh, the supervisor for up there. Uh, so, you know, if, if I was to look at it from a centric part, I mean, the, the Monticello-Liberty areas, of course, are kind of more centric, I think, to the county you know, we're looking heavily. Uh, the other interesting part of this process is we find the uh, spots, if you will. We find the locations, and then it gets submitted to the uh, New York State Senate. Uh, the Secretary of the Senate will then look at these, uh, approve or not approve, and then uh, we kind of move on from there. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rubio. That's going to do it for this episode of the Local Edition. Make sure you never miss any episode of the Local Edition. Sign up for the Local Edition podcast wherever you get podcasts from. Big thanks to Patricio Rabio for uh, making this program happen. Thank you to all of our guests for talking to us, and thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow to do it again. My name's Jason Dole. Stay tuned. Stay right where you are. Mr. Kusar Grace and Music Emporium is up next. Support comes from the Narrowsburg Union and Catskills Curated, presenting products of regional artists, artisans, makers, and craftsmen. Gift wrapping and shipping available on-site. NarrowsburgUnion.com Tavern on Main, a neighborhood bar and restaurant on Main Street in Jeffersonville, New York, featuring local American fare, specialty cocktails, craft beers, and Sunday brunch. Menu and hours online at TavernOnMainNY.com And from listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello.